You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Hello, everyone. We're back at that time of year. Yes, this is the Sewing and Growing podcast with Jay and Jay, but we're back at that time of the year where you get to wear shorts. Glory. You get to wear tank tops. You get to enjoy the beauty of Colorado. Yeah. Still a little muddy, okay? You get to walk out. It's a little muddy. I really don't like mud. But you can choose to live in the mud, or you can choose to live in the fact that you're wearing shorts. I was going to say, or you can just play in the mud. I don't like playing (laughs) in the mud. I never did. I remember being in youth group. And we had our water world event one year, and there was a mud pit that really turned into just tarnished your spurs, didn't it? (laughs) Well, the mud pit turned into just mud in the bottom and like rocks, rocks, but also just like brown water. But it was a cold evening, and I remember one night, like I got in the mud pit, and then I'm just like, the only warm place right now is in the mud. In the mud, and I lived in the mud. Didn't you get cut in the mud? Who got cut in the So mud? what happened was, this is a different event. I think oh. you're bunning two memories. We had a we obstacle course. muddy memories? We had an obstacle course. Okay. And this obstacle course, uh, we had one of those irrigation pipes, black irrigation pipes. Yes. And it was how fast you could get through it. And I jumped yeah. in and I dove through it. And my spine Ouch. hit the top of that irrigation pipe and like made me look like a razorback. And I ain't no pig, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Woo pig. It, 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 Arkansas. Uh, it cut me up yeah you know what i realized about shorts is that the style for men is getting shorter and shorter and i find myself being completely okay with it and it's kind of weird i've noticed that too i see some guys wearing some really short my shorts. shorts are significantly shorter than they used to be we're going back to the 70s which yeah all of you boomers who would want to give us a hard time for wearing short shorts we yeah, saw I've your sh- seen your We saw pictures. your shorts back in the eighties. Maybe it's the eighties. Yeah, and yeah, like we saw your permed haircuts. We saw the perms. We saw even like I'm thinking about Larry Bird, Michael Jordan. Though the shorts that they wore in the <laughs> NBA folks. back then, a little inappropriate. inappropriate. A little inappropriate. Yeah. You know who really started the the wave of baggy shorts? I have no idea. Was Chris Weber. In the Did Fab it? Five. Is it the Fab Five or the Fab Four? I, I can't in, I can't tell in college. You. They started um, wearing bigger shorts. They were playing for Michigan. Probably more practical right? to have them short and, shorts. And uh what's his name? He's a commentator now. Rose or uh You're gonna look to me for a lot of uh, answers uh, in this vein, and I'm not gonna be able to flow with you. You're gonna have to do this on your own, okay. Jonathan. Well, the main the main driving factor behind the long shorts was Chris Weber. Chris Weber. Um Jalen Rose. There Jalen Rose. Oh, really? And then there was another one. I, somebody older than me will remember this. It's either the Fab Five or the Fab Four. There's a few other guys on that team who are iconic, and I just can't remember their names right now. But they said, this is what we're going to do. We want to all play together in Michigan, but here's the deal. We we ain't wearing those short shorts. So they made specifically like custom long shorts for them. Because really? in college, they were all wearing the short shorts, and they said, we ain't doing that. So they got them... Sp- Special custom made long shorts for them to play. And then it just play. And swept then it the took nation. Off. It, it took off, swept the nation. All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Now I'm really curious. I kind of want to look that information up. Can you hold off till the end of the podcast? Yeah, oh, he was reaching for it? his own. He was reaching for his phone, folks. Can you do it in the next 30 seconds? <laughs> he might just do it. But we wanted to talk about something that 
we've both participated in. We haven't given yeah. our life to, but we've definitely participated mm-hmm. in, and that's missions work. Missions. And uh, we've both been blessed by that experience. I think we believe most people who would participate in mission work would be blessed by would that experience. Would be blessed, yeah. We agree Wrecked, but in, in turn blessed. Wrecked blessed? <laughs> Wrecked blessed. That's a podcast. Means it just shatters your worldview and your perspective. Yeah. Just say that. Now, even if you don't go on a missions trip or you're not a missionary, we all should have a heart for missions, right? Yeah. One thing I learned in, in Bible school and they ingrained it in us like every day. They said missions is the heartbeat of God. They told you that every day. Nah. Maybe well, not I'm saying, every like, day. I just, that, they said that big. a lot. But that's why? one of the main things I took away from Rama is that missions is the heartbeat of God. Praise God. Well, I think the reason is, is because <laughs> that's all we're really waiting for. What, when you're going, what do you mean? Well, I, Jesus is coming back. Right. But what is keeping Jesus from coming back? A lack of missions. Well, <laughs> the gospel to be preached around the earth. I'm not right. a huge end times theologian. No. Uh, ecclesiology or what is that Eschatology. Word? Eschatology, yes. Clearly it's not. not my strength <laughs> because I don't even know how to say the word. But there might be other things going on. But the main thing is the gospel has to be preached around the world. Yeah. And who's doing that? Missionaries. Missionaries. Man. And there's a How script- beautiful are the feet? There's the Great Commission. Yep. And that commission is not only for those who are on the mission, it's for all of us. <laughs> Here it is, Matthew 28 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. All the nations. All means all. All means all. In the Greek, it means all. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, and I like that it says... Make disciples, which is not converts, right. which means there probably needs to be people planted in yeah. those countries to help them through a process. Right. So short-term missions, they have their place, which is mainly what you and me have done. Yeah. But there are people specifically called to be planted to make a disciple. Which we're going to let you know, next week, we're having yeah. one who has been planted, who has given her life yes. to mission work. Tony Haskell is going to be our guest on the podcast. So put yeah. a reminder in your phone. Yeah, Monday yeah. at nine in the morning. Check that podcast out. I remember listening to Andrew Walmack and he was talking about the difference between converts and discipleship and, he, and the importance of actually following through with the work. He said that, you know, what we're doing in kind of modern day Christianity would be the same as having a baby, giving birth to a baby and then setting it in the corner to die. And that sounds really morbid, but that's kind of what's happening spiritually when you, when your main goal is to just pray the prayer, man, pray the prayer, get saved. Okay. Yes. Jesus is your Lord. Woohoo. I got another one today. And then you don't ever encounter that person again. You, there's no discipleship taking place. They're a newborn baby looking for sustenance. What do I do? Who's the Holy spirit? What, what is, what is, what is this all about? So no matter where you're at, you've got to take the time. Someone's got to take the time. Yeah. Make disciples. And literally the life of God is like a seed planted in you. So like that seed was planted and the moment you plant a seed and you give a little water to that seed, you have <sighs> to keep that seed wet until yes. it's germinated or else what? The it, seed will die. And I'm not saying that salvation will die in a person, but it can be very detrimental for you to share all the strength of the new life and then abandon that person right. and not help them walk that new life. Right. Is part of, you know, part of the promises of God is to experience the promises. I just said that twice. <laughs> uh, 
and the victory, not only in the life to come, but here upon this earth as well. So there is a, 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 a great life of victory that people can have. And you gotta, you gotta be able to disciple them and coach them through that. And not just so that they can, you know, live a really great life. It's so they can do it and reciprocate it in the life of someone else. Yeah. Discipleship is all about recreating yourself and other people. It makes me think what I, uh, said in the previous podcast about my mom taught me, you know, to learn something, to know mm-hmm. something to a degree that you can share it with another person. Uh, is this person growing in their life of God? First off, so they can share from experiential knowledge, epignosco, the word for yeah. knowledge that is predominantly used in the epistles of Paul, so they can go, hey, you know what? Do this because I've experienced this in my life. And also, if you're going to have faith that you're going to experience all these things in the next life, but you're not experiencing them at all in this life, I think it takes a whole lot of faith to go, I'm not experiencing any of these things in God here, but suddenly (laughs) the moment I die, I'm going to miraculously experience it all. I think the best way to grow your faith is start living in it now. And to live in those things now, there needs to be someone who walks that process with you. And for many around the world, those are missionaries who've gone forth. So who is it? You know, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Who was he talking to? He was talking to his his disciples. Right. But is that just for the disciples or is it for all of us? I think it's for all of us. Yeah, I think it's for all of us. And I think... Because we're all in the ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation. which would mean being able to share that news with someone else that God isn't mad that we can be reconciled and help that person be reconciled back and into I, relationship. I would imagine that Jesus, in speaking to his disciples in that moment, was speaking beyond them because he told them, go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. They weren't able to make disciples of all nations in and of themselves, but he knew in and of those disciples who were following him, right. the ones they would share with, would be able to fulfill the whole commission. So everyone's called to go, maybe not permanently, but we're called to give of ourselves either financially or physically going to a place and probably both. Yeah. And even in prayer, but yeah, prayer. No, well, that's spiritually, financially, physically, and spiritually. That sounds holistically. Three-part missions, holistic (laughs) missions with J and J. Here we go, folks. And I I just thought of this last night. We talk about signs of being spirit-filled. And we talk about speaking in tongues, which we haven't talked about on this podcast. Maybe we will at some point. We talk about the love of God growing. We talk about generosity. I'll give a talk to a Robichonday. I'll <laughs> Praise do it. the Lord. But Acts 1.8, let's just read Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Sounds like all nations to the end of the earth. I've never really heard this, but when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it sounds like there should be something in you that is a desire to Mm. go into all the earth to be a witness of the goodness of God. Yeah, that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow because I think we can get easily complacent and apathetic, but you should have a desire to share what's in you with someone else. Or that I wouldn't say maybe you're not saved, but how do I how do I how do I make this palatable, John? I just want to say this, just because it's a true reality in you doesn't mean it's a true reality in your awareness of that. Mm. That's why Paul wrote in the Bible so many times, do you not know? Like, this is a present truth, but do you not know it? You have to be reminded of it. But once you become aware of it, you have to retain God in your thinking or else you're handed over to the debased mindset. You know, when Paul was telling Timothy, strip the gift, and I always make this analogy about 
oval teen at the bottom of a glass. It might be in you, but you may not know that it's in there. It might not be stirred up and present. You might not be able to taste it because it's not constantly being stirred up. So the reality of your salvation, the good news that that the very reason why you got born again in the first place might have been settled down in the bottom. Right. And there's the reason why David said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, which means it can get a little dull. It can get a little milk yes. toast at times if you let it. You sit at the bottom. Not that salvation is milk toast, but your awareness your, of it. Yeah. And so you got to stir that thing up, the joy of your salvation once again. And once that's stirred up, it becomes real active in you that you, you want to share it with someone else. Right. And what I'm saying is maybe something you want to stir up in the bottom of your glass is in your baptism of the Holy Spirit experience that you had, it's not just speaking in tongues. It's a heart for the whole world. And I remember Scott Bierman, somebody with his wife who gave Mm -hmm. up their pastoral position in Wisconsin and became missionaries really to the world. He said this verse, Acts 1.8, is not progressional. I had normally read this progressional because it says, become witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which is their hometown where they were, and then in Judea, which is one layer greater, and then Samaria, which is a layer greater into the the world. But he said, this is all layers at the same time. How do you do that? You do that through different means, I think, financially, and then you do it not saying... I think we can use it as an excuse, Pastor John. That's what I'm saying. Like, Mm. hey, why am I going to go to Mexico to help build a house when I haven't built a house with Habitat for Humanity right here, right Right. now? You don't have to wait to a level of perfection or maturity to go out and be a blessing beyond your four walls. I'll say this. It's not necessarily a challenge, but that's a good question to ask because if you're going to, in the flip side of an excuse, you'd be like, well, I don't really want to build the house in Habitat because I might know these people and I have to actually interact with them. So I'll just send money to Africa. It goes both ways. Yes. And missions isn't just, you can correct me. Missions isn't just different places. Missions is different people groups. And because our world is becoming more of a melting pot, you can be a missionary right where you're at. It's stepping across cultural barriers, which is something that's not comfortable to do in Glenwood Springs, in Carbondale, in Basalt, in Rifle, crossing cultural barriers. That's what missions work really is. I think stepping across cultural barriers and stepping across the barrier of your own comfortability. So as soon as you are able to get outside of your comfort zone, that's when mission work can really start as well. Yeah. Missions work needs to start in your own heart. So you see mission minded before you go to a mission field. But don't just see your mission field as your people have a whole world mindset yeah. because then your heart's been enlarged and your heart's been enlarged right. to the whole world. And if you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. How do I stir up the joy of my salvation? How do I get a heart? Well, asking God for it, like when sometimes when they say, hey, be careful what you pray for, this is one of those things. As soon as you start praying for God to give you a heart for the nations, you will absolutely start getting a heart for the nations. Your heart will start breaking for things. And I'm a a testament of it myself because I don't necessarily see myself as super missions-minded. I want to get better at that. Like my wife is very missions-minded. She went to school for it. Um, And like she, if I told her today, hey, we can get on a plane to Africa and go, she'd do it. Um, But I'm not necessarily bent like that. But I remember praying about it before I went to Peru and before I went to Guatemala and my heart completely changed um, for that. So be careful what you pray for, but pray for that heart. <laughs> that sounds funny. 
Pray for a heart. If you don't have it, pray for it and watch God give it to you. I think it starts with you knowing it's available, like in your baptism of the Holy Spirit experience, that whole world mindset is available. And then once you know it's available, ask for it and ask in faith. Amen. Praise God. But we're storytellers. We have some funny stories. We actually went on a mission trip together and we've been on different mission trips. So we thought it'd be fun to share some stories and share what missions has done to us personally. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, sure, man. Um, do you, well, I'll talk first about a missions trip that I went on without you. Um, the first missions trip I ever went on was to Peru. Um, why am I forgetting the name? Arequipa. Um, right. Yes, sir. Why am I asking you? You weren't there. But I, my first mission <laughs> trip was without you as well. It was also to Arequipa, okay. Peru. Yeah. So it was with the Wagglers. Um, they were missionaries in Arequipa, Peru. And we actually went there to help build an orphanage. Well, the orphanage was up, but they needed rooms. Um, so we built walls and laid flooring um, in this orphanage. That was the first one I went on. I think I was a junior in high school. And backtracking even before I went on that missions trip, when I found out how much it was, it was a little discouraging. And so I had to get in faith and I wrote letters and I prayed um, for the funds to even go. So like maybe if you're a young person or you're a parent of a young person, this is a great faith project as well. Um, Raising funds to just get to the place that you're, you feel called to go, go to. And that was a really cool experience because I saw God's faithfulness come through. Um, just even the financial aspect, people sending in money and not just, I didn't just sit there and collect money, like, um, extra job opportunities. I remember in high school, I, um, after work, I found opportunities to go bail hay, um, and just things like that. And so God, this is a little off topic, but God will work in a way, not necessarily maybe that you want him to, because you're like, God, I need the X and X amount of money. And you think there's going to be a check in the mail. Maybe sometimes there will be, but a lot of times God will bring other opportunities for you to put your hand to something and he'll bless you in that. And, and the moment you put your hand to something, yeah. you're getting treasure. And it says where your treasure is, there your heart yeah. will be also. You bailing hay to go on a mission trip helped you connect your heart and give you a heart yeah. for the place you're going. Absolutely. So that was a cool faith project. But when we got there, um, I remember uh, just playing soccer with all the kids in the orphanage and just developing some deep bonds with those kids. Um, it was very, very hard to leave. Um, one funny story was there was a girl in there named Mary Cruz, Mari Cruz, and uh, she found out that I liked the Yankees. And so they had a big pile, like a mountain of clothes that were donated and they would just rummage through when they needed clothes. And uh, she found a Yankees hat. I don't know how long it took her to rummage through that pile of clothes, but she found a Yankees hat and, and wanted to wear it. Um, cause she knew I liked the Yankees and, uh, she even got to the point where she asked if I could marry her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Mari Cruz. Um, it was, it was a fun experience. Um, but yeah, I'll share some more spiritual sides of it in a minute, but I had a very, Why don't you share a story? I had a very similar experience. The first time I went was when I was about a junior in high school, and I went to Arequipa, Peru. And the main reason we went there was to lead worship at a conference in a theater that was built and designed, well, architecturally designed by the same person who designed the Eiffel Tower, which was really cool. That's cool. The theater was. So that's why we were there. But we were going to visit the orphanage that you helped build. So we went back. Some of the people had already been there. And we went, and I just didn't have any expectations. I was just there to play the guitar. But I showed up, and a boy ran up and jumped in my lap and gave me a hug. 
and it became the highlight of my whole trip was going to that orphanage. So it's amazing where God can just jump in. But I wanted to start with a little bit of a funnier story on a mission trip we went together to (laughs) Guatemala. There's a lot of stories from that trip. Yeah, that trip, we had tons of great stories. But we went and helped serve soup to some homeless people late at night after all the stores (laughs) closed on the cobblestone streets of Guatemala. We started serving soup. And I walked around and I gave some soup to some people. And a lot of these people were stoned. They uh, were sniffing, yeah. uh, rubbing alcohol yeah. and pretty pretty fried up. Yeah. And we already had some crazy stories happen. Like um, somebody wanted to take Jonathan's shoes. Jonathan yeah. asked if he could pray for him anything. He said, I want your shoes. Jonathan didn't have a pair of shoes. So he couldn't give that. We still prayed for the person, walked around and uh, I was with a different group, but I see this guy with the baseball cap talking to this lady. And the lady spoke Spanish. She was another lady on the trip. And he was just very sweet, very humble. And so I walk up to him and I start talking with him. And he starts, I don't in Spanish to me. And he doesn't seem to have any of the sweet nature that he used to have. Uh, and I got scared. And uh, the lady started uh, translating what he was saying to me. <laughs> yeah. And what he said to me is that I was wearing my hat like a gangster and he was going to come back the next day and shoot me with his gun. Yeah. So I didn't know how to respond back to that story. And he came and Jonathan <laughs> felt the need to protect me. So he came over and was like, no, you're not going to shoot yeah. my friend with a gun. So I'll find you in the streets and I'm going to kill you. Yeah, he said No, that you're, not. <laughs> Jonathan said, no you're not. <laughs> Which resulted in the missionaries forcing both Jonathan and I in the minivan. Yeah, until we, we almost trip. got an altercation. More details about that story because that was one of the funniest stories to me. Was the dude ended up taking his shirt off right in front of us? He takes his shirt off and he goes, Fight me! And he's got his hands up like this. The, the, the man, God bless his soul. I hope we see him in heaven. He was very intoxicated. Um, so it would have not been a challenge, but I remember him just. We were like trying to de-escalate and then he all of a sudden he just takes his shirt off and wants to fight us. And so, yeah, it got to that point where uh, Harry yelled at us, get in the van. Yeah, we got put in the van. We got <laughs> we put got, in the slammer. We got put was, in the slammer. Which was the van. Yeah, and then he, we saw him the next day. I was going to say, saw him the next day in the, <laughs> which he prophesied that he was going to see us the next day and shoot us with a gun. We're in a market and yeah. guess what? The guy's there. But yeah. he was so intoxicated the night before he didn't, he didn't remember us didn't know who we were so yeah i was safe but uh yeah and another story from that trip oh man was uh, the compound that we lived in had like a, a courtyard um in the front that that didn't have a roof on it so like it was exposed to the outer street so you could climb over the wall and like get into our front little courtyard area and the bathrooms were connected to that but the bathrooms in our compound were like laid out like stalls in an airport, just like a bunch of stalls. And I remember John was, you were using one of them and all the girls were in the other room, like braiding each other's hair. And like, I hear some noise and I look up and there's a man climbing over the wall. (laughs) And and you know, I was really brave when it came to the drunk guy in the street with John, but I was not brave at that point. And the first thing I did was went and ran and got my, cousin kate who's a female kate Kate, there's a man climbing over the wall (laughs) and he heard me yelling and he he went and uh he uh, he he continued on down the street he he continued down on the other so that was a funny story at the moment neither of those seem very funny they seemed a little intense and unnerving but we look back and i remember them and uh 
I, it, it brings me what about Widowmakers. Remember those? Oh man, yeah, I remember Widowmakers. So the showers in our compound, the way that they heated the water was like, maybe this isn't true, but um, they had live electrical. Well, this part is true. They had live electrical wires that were coming right out of the soffit, the spigot. Was it the shower head? Sorry. Um, and so while the water was on, you had live exposed water or, or wires right underneath. And they said, do not touch those because you'll get lit up. And there's a reason why we call these showers widow makers. <laughs> and we're sitting there in the shower, like highly aware. And we were pretty anxious when we were scrubbing our hair. Yeah. Like, don't touch don't the wire. Touch don't the touch the wire. wire. So I'm like crouching down in the shower to make sure I don't get lit up and electrocuted. Yeah. That was pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, another story, this was on the trip that I did to Nepal. The second time I've been to Nepal, um, we went to a homeless feeding, which I had experiences in the past, like in Guatemala, which weren't the best experiences at homeless (laughs) feedings. My life was threatened. So I wasn't very excited at this event that we went to in Nepal, uh, and we went there, and when I showed up, there were like no homeless people, just a bunch of uh, Midwestern-looking blonde girls with freckles on their faces. And I'm like, okay, like why am I here? And I just had a bad attitude. Yeah. And uh, a gentleman showed up, and he had an avocado, and he was accosting one of the women. <laughs> he wanted to give his avocado to them. And they said, John, go to that man and talk with him. And I'm looking at the person like, are you kidding me? Speak Nepali to a Nepali guy? <laughs> so I literally went there and he was intoxicated, but I just put my arm around him and started talking to him in English. And he would speak to me in Nepali and he would start crying. And then I would speak to him in English. And people watched from a distance because they didn't want to be around him for the most part. They had other things. They were chopping onions and making soup, but I was with the avocado guy. He's still holding the avocado in his hand, just weeping. And wow. I have my hand on him and just kind of patting him like, yeah, trying to validate him. And people go, I didn't know John spoke Nepali. They go, oh, he doesn't. He, he just is talking to him in English. But the guy ends up just at one point, like picking my hand and like putting the avocado in my hand. <laughs> and I'm like, God, what is this about? He said, you know what, John, you are speaking the language of love to him. And wow. that language is understood all the way around the world. That's awesome. And I thought that's, that's really cool, God. So I'm like, I got my job done. I got the avocado. My responsibility is done. No one wanted to be with the avocado man. I was with the avocado man. I'm not serving soup. I'm not doing anything else. Well, somebody comes up to me and goes, clippers, clippers. And he's like pinching his fingers. So I realized he wants fingernail clippers. So I'm like, okay, man, I'll find you some fingernail clippers. So I, I go to one of the workers of the soup feeding. I said, do you have any fingernail clippers? One of the gentlemen would like to clip his fingernails. So they go, yeah, actually we do. So they bring them to me and I'm taking, in the moment I'm putting the silver fingernail clippers in the man's hand, God says, you're going to clip his nails. I'm like, okay. So that's okay. What's worse, nail clipping or feet washing? I'm getting there. (laughs) Okay. So I think uh, I don't have any salon training, uh, I, but I'm going to give it a shot. Your cuticles so, seem a little so overgrown, like, bud. He's grabbing the fingernail clippers. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do it. So he's like, this is weird. I'm like holding the guy's hand and I'm clipping his nails. So I get it done as fast as I can. And I hand it to him and he goes, thank you. And then he takes the clippers down to his toenails. Oh, wow. And God speaks to mine and says, you're not done. Yeah. So I get down on my hands and knees. It was uncomfortable for the man to let me clip his fingernails. And these guys do not wear closed-toed shoes. They have sandals. They're walking everywhere, just like biblical times. And it's nasty. This is in the slums of Nepal. It's in a similar 
um, governmental structure as India where there's castes. This is the lowest caste. So it's nasty places they've been. His feet were already wet. I don't know why they were wet, but it was wet. So I go, I'm going to clip your nails. And the thing is, his toenails had not been clipped and I don't know how long. It was not good uh, hygiene in his yeah. nails. So he had some fungus. So they were thick nails and I couldn't clip them. So wow. somebody got me a bucket of water and I had to soak his feet and people started gathering around me to like, what wow. is this guy doing? And just, this is one of the biggest revelations I've ever had in my life. So that's why I'm taking some time with it. I'm there clipping his nails and it's hard. I, I'm putting all my weight into it and I cannot cut through some of these nails. And I go, God, what is going on here? And he gave me this revelation and he said, John, I said in my word, the works that I do, greater works you would do. And I said, yeah, that's right. And he said, why is that always miracles? I wash people's feet. Why did no one want to do greater acts of service than me? Wow. I wash people's feet. You're clipping people's nails. Whoa. And it just shook me. And I took that away. And it was something out of, when I looked at the itinerary of the whole mission trip, that was the thing I wanted to do the least was go to that homeless feeding. Mm. But I got the greatest revelation wow. at the thing I want to do least, which was really powerful to me. So I wanted to share that on the podcast. I've never heard that story before. I don't think you've ever shared that. Really? That's amazing. <sighs> I was going to share something else lighthearted. Do it. I, I know. Do no, it. I need to share something. You don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say this about, I think this will help transition to maybe something more light. But what I love about because I've gone to Guatemala six or seven times. I've gone to Peru once. I've gone to Nepal twice. I've gone to Tanzania, Africa. I've gone to Israel. I've gone to a bunch of places. I love short term. Uh, I did six weeks in Guatemala once. But what I love about mission trips is I just feel the need to constantly be seeking the Holy Spirit on what to do for almost everything. Like, for example, eating food. A lot of yeah. food sanitary is in there. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, like, should I eat this? Um, when I'm walking and talking with people, like, should I go here? A lot of the places I've gone have not been the most safe places. Um, and just feeling like I need to seek the Holy Spirit on what I do, which yeah. should be something I should apply always in my life. But when you're on a mission trip, you're exercising that muscle of being led by the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and you start to see the fruit of it. So when you bring that back to where you are in your ordinary life, hopefully the residue of the revelation of following the Holy Spirit is a really good thing. It can get you in front of people that you normally wouldn't get in front of. It, you would see the power of God move in your life. You carry that back with you where you're at. And yeah. I compare it to when I'm hiking some technical 14ers, like every rock I grab on, I'm like, should I be grabbing here? Like, mm -hmm. is this safe? And I, I feel that relationship with the Holy Spirit. You gain a greater understanding of that when you're on the mission field. Yeah. I remember in our first missions trip, still to this day, the best sleep that I ever had in my life was in Peru in this compound that we stayed at. And I remember just believing God beforehand and said, you know, because Steve, our youth pastor at the time said, he's like, you're going to wake up early and you're going to go to sleep late because you're going to be working a lot. And this was a, there's like works-based missions trips and then like really spiritual missions trips where you're going out and evangelizing. This first missions trip was all about work. And so I was like, man, this is going to be hard. And I remember just praying and I would literally go to sleep. And like the second my head hit the pillow, I was out. And then it was like, then I was awake and it was morning time. And it was like birds chirping, you know, like snow white getting out of bed. Like it was amazing. I'm like, wow, I feel amazing. And all the food, I never got sick of with any of that food. And that was really cool. I feel like God really um, helped 
preserve that first experience, you know, some of those things. So it didn't put a bad taste in my mouth, but, um, just going back to, uh, what I said at the very beginning of the podcast is how missions can wreck you. Um, one of the biggest takeaways anytime I go on a missions trip is how stupid that's a harsh word, but some of the things that I am concerning myself with here in, in America or any, any first world nation and seeing the contentment and the joy in a lot of these people's, uh, you know, in their lives and, and the fact that they have nothing, but they have so much joy, um, is crazy. And it really puts things into perspective for you because the things that we care about and the things that we place value on really are, are fairly meaningless. Yeah. I've been really moved by that too. We have such a picture of what we know is what we know, and that's what we know. So we know our Christian culture in the United States of America and what that looks like and the things we get preoccupied about. But when you go to somewhere where there's a third world country and they don't have as many of the creature comforts that they have in Western churches, but their desire for the Lord and their passion for the Lord, I just am always reminded of what the Bible talks about eternal rewards. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the creature comforts that we've had here in the United States of America that have numbed us out to some of the things of the spirit that really matter. There's people that worship on a dirt floor without any fancy lights that are going to be living in eternity with great eternal rewards that some of us here in America and in the Western church are going to miss out on because their heart is really for kingdom riches and eternal rewards. Yeah. I remember being in Guatemala and we were praying for a man on the street. I think you were with me and he had his head wrapped. Were you there? Mm. Maybe not. I, I don't know who was with me, but it was really cool. Cause again, you're talking about consulting the Holy spirit. I knew some Spanish, but I didn't know a whole lot of Spanish. And I remember he just ca- kept talking about his mind. He said, me mente, me mente. And I thought it was the wound on his head, which in part it was, but I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, no, he's battling some demons. He's battling some physical or some mental attacks. So you need to pray over his mind. And it was in that moment, you know, it was just so cool because I almost heard him audibly and he said, and he really helped me pinpoint my prayer. And I remember praying for this guy in Spanish and I don't remember what I said, but it's similar to maybe, you know, when you said you were speaking the language of love, this might be a stretch to say this, but maybe he, that guy was understanding you in his own language. Cause that's tongues. what part of tongues is all about speaking. You know, I think on the day of Pentecost, a lot of it says that they were hearing them in their own native tongue. Exactly. So maybe that's what was going on. I know I was speaking Spanish, but I don't really remember what I was saying, but this guy was getting ministered to and he was just, he, you know, he broke down and I just remember being like, how cool is the Holy spirit? Cause Sometimes what is right in front of you or whatever's the loudest is what you think needs the most attention. So this guy had a wound on his head. Um, it needed attention, but the Holy Spirit was real was bleh, sorry, was revealing that the 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 underlying cause, you know, the bigger problem was the the mental attacks that he was going through. Yeah. So that was just really cool to be able to partner with the Holy Spirit and meet the need of that person on the street. Yeah, I I agree. There's a boldness that when you give yourself on these mission trips to being flexible and being open and you're 
in relationship with the Holy Spirit that you'll do things you don't normally do. And I think you experienced yeah. that. And I experienced that on the trip that we did with Kate and yourself. Remember, we were going to do a whole skit and have a speaker in the town plaza and yeah. we weren't allowed to have the speaker. Right. But we had a chair. We were doing this sin chair skit. So I grabbed the chair. I'm like, I'm going to do it over on the other side of the plaza. So I took it over there. I grabbed one other person and we did this skit. And I just, I did it out loud. I was shouting out and I was doing the skit. And then I said, hey, I'll pray for you if you're sick. There was a man who was old. He was really yeah. old. And he had, a, I think he was in a wheelchair or a walker. And he was being pushed around by his wife. And he raised his hand. And we went, and I remember I could put my high school hands, I could put my hand around his quadricep. It was so small. Wow. But he stood up and he started walking yeah. from that. And I remember, remember he's that. saying that he had a vision. The angels told him that he was going to receive yeah. prayer about That's his legs. Amazing. He was going to walk again. But I just... I wouldn't do that thing normally, right. but I was able to do it when I was on the mission trip. I'll add a light story since I added a really intense story. You said you experienced your best sleep ever on that first mission yeah. trip. I remember sleeping in the same room as you on our trip to Guatemala <laughs> and thinking yeah. I got an amazing night of sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, you said, are you okay, man? Because yeah. <laughs> apparently in the middle of the night, I sat up, screamed to the top of my lungs, and then slammed my head against the headboard. Yeah, he did. I thought he, he was encountering a demon. <laughs> and then there was like, not howler monkeys, something outside our window really early in the morning. Just like, <laughs> oh, that was That was fun. Right when we left Antigua, I remember I still had extra money. I... I uh, exchanged way too much money and I didn't have anywhere to spend it. And we were like, they're like, go to the square. You can buy something else, but we're, we're, we're leaving. I don't know if this was the trip you were on with me or was that? Anyways, I had a lot of money I left over there. and there was a guy in a wheelchair and I felt impressed to give him some money. So I just gave him the rest of my money <laughs> and the guy started crying. I'm like, what? And I look over at our interpreter. She's like, you, you just gave him like the equivalent of like 5,000 US dollars. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, oh, there you go. Wow. Wow. Praise Happy God. Happy birthday. God bless you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I would say this, if you're a parent listening, maybe you're having trouble with your kids. Mm. First of all, have them read Tom Sawyer. Secondly, send them on a mission trip. It'll change their perspective. Um, I'm living proof of that. And the kids that we took, and I don't, I'm thankful that people entrusted me because I was 21 years old. Well, the first time we took a bunch of kids on a mission trip, I had no idea what I was doing, but these parents entrusted us with their kids and every single one of them kids came back radically changed in the, in their perspective, in their viewpoint. Um, and so I'm not saying that's the, the solve all, but it really helps put things in right perspective. Amen. Um, and I don't know, uh, missions, man. It's yeah. important. I think I'm trying to think of one more thing. You can go ahead and talk. Well, I, I'm good at a good spot for the wisdom of the day. If you have one more thing, that's fine. But I think we're at a good spot. Yeah. I was trying to think of if, there, if there's one more story that I thought was really, really funny to send on a light note. You getting the um, peas spit at you? Remember? Oh, man. Yeah. Playing yeah. the donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Those kids just... were unruly. They were. That's right. We don't have to say anything yeah. else. All right. Well, we're at a good spot in the podcast where we can transition into the wisdom of the day. I know we shared a lot of different stories, a lot of different thoughts on missions. Uh, is there a wisdom of the day that stands out to you, Pastor Jonathan? Yeah, I liked um, kind of two parts, um, really consulting and relying on the Holy Spirit to direct your next step or direct your ne next uh, word that you say, because you're totally out of your element. You're in an area where you 
a lot of times you don't speak the language, you're not a part of that culture, so everything is foreign. And it's a great way to really practice listening to the Holy Spirit. And then I like how you said um, that when we're in those environments, we end up doing things that we wouldn't normally do. And so there's this type of empowerment and boldness that comes upon you that I believe that it should always be there. I think God meets you with grace and empowerment when you're stepping out to do his will. Um, so when you're out on the mission field, you will say things and and carry yourself in a way that you might not normally, because I believe it's the the courage and the and the, and the grace of God that's really propelling yeah. you to do so. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. That's my wisdom of the day, and it's just the way your faith is grown through the whole process. And I like what you said. Your faith was grown, and even getting the finances to yeah. go to. The mission trip, you had to believe God for a certain amount of finances, which ultimately grew your heart for the place you're going. Because we mentioned where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Yeah. You bailed, hey, you made money. You knew that money was going towards your trip to Peru. Therefore, your heart for Peru grew. And exactly what you said, trusting the Holy Spirit for these different things. Like, what are you going to eat? Is this going to make me sick? Should I eat this? Should I not eat this? What should I order on the menu? Uh where to go. I know there were times where I was hanging out with a local and then it would be like, hey, you're going to drive me home. And it was after dark, the next day I talked to someone else and they're like, you were on the road at that time? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but I had peace in my heart or what to say. We didn't speak Spanish right. very well, but we were trying to trust God on how should I communicate? What do I say? Holy Spirit, I'm going to need help because I don't really speak this language. But how often where we are at, have we carried those realities to where we're at now? That's mm. really bringing it full circle. What am I eating? Am I thanking God for my health? Am I blessing my food? Am I just jumping into things? Uh, where do I go? And is there someone that needs to speak with me? And what should I say in those moments? Yeah. I speak English. I take that for granted. But is my English being inspired by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, that's going to change you. Really, I think we do counterfeits. I love hiking. I love doing technical 14ers where my life's somewhat in danger <laughs> and saying, I need to trust the Holy Spirit for that. But how much greater to go on a mission trip and share the gospel with somebody yeah. who trusts the Holy Spirit than can I trust my hand to hold onto this rock and not fall off right. a cliff? Right. There's better ways to follow God. And I think missions is a great way to do it for yourself, for your student, your high school, middle school student, change yeah. your perspective. So into it financially, go on a trip, watch right. your life grow and watch your yeah. heart grow. I was going to say, you know, the people, when I wrote letters and stuff, the people who gave, gave money, they, they may not think, you know, they had a huge part to play, but I think, you know, that's, that's totally missional. When you give to those things, there's going to be rewards in heaven. You're not that that's not the reason why you give, but you're going to get to heaven and, and, and be probably shocked about the lives that were impacted because of your financial gift or your time to pray for that person who was going on the mission field or pray for that people group. So again, it's spirit, soul, and body, or what would we say? Financial, spiritual, and even physically. So if you can't get there physically, pray for it, support it financially, um, because you have a, a very vital role to play in souls being saved. And I'm going to say this about finances, prosperity, sowing into missions. Uh, I personally am applying this. I sow to a missionary on a monthly basis, but a verse we quote a lot about finances is my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Philippians 4.19. That verse is specifically written to people who have sown into mission work. Yeah. If you're going to apply that verse to your life, you probably should apply the part of sowing into mission work because yeah. to be honest, contextually, they're connected. Yes. So That's uh, great. praise God. Hopefully you got something out of that and hopefully you have in your heart to go on a mission trip financially, physically, 
and in the spirit in praying for missionaries around the world. I'm going to pray us out. Father God, thank you so much for today. Father God, I thank you that your word is going forth. I thank you that your son is coming back and he's coming back for the precious fruit of the earth. The world, the heathen, the nations are our inheritance. So I thank you, Father God, that we see it that way. We see our part to play. Uh, Father God, by sowing into finances, for praying for missionaries around the world, and also by getting out of our comfort zone and going to a different part in this world. Father God, I thank you for your church. Thank you for the power of the church. And I thank you that this podcast is reaching people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in every single week. We look forward to having a great guest on next week with Tony Haskell. And we're going to have another guest the following week. You're not going to want to miss out either. So stay tuned.